Hi, I'm Michael. I'm an entrepreneur, wannabe investor, getting better at improv artist, and always very, very neurotic. I'm also a TV host and your host right now for what we call the Second Scene Podcast. It is a Dweebs Global production where you can go for free mentorship help. They help with everything from resume writing to mental health, and it's completely confidential and it is completely free. That is dweebsglobal.org. So I am here today with Terry McMullen. Terry has a Harvard MBA with 15 plus years experience working in corporate strategy at Fortune 500 companies. One day he realized he'd rather be a philosopher who helps teach children how to think better amongst many other new adventures and hobbies. Uh, I'm going to go into what it means to be a philosopher <laughs> a little later in the in the podcast, but I want to start a little earlier in your life. That's okay. And, and welcome, yeah. Terry. Thanks, yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Really appreciate it. So what, what got you on the path? Uh, I mean, it's not an easy task to get an MBA at Harvard. So that's, yeah. that's, uh, it's not a yeah. technical. It's funny when you say that. I mean, it's hard to say what got me on the path, to be honest. I mean, part of part of my second scene to, to go right to the topic of the show was realizing that for much of my life, I was on a path and I never really knew why. Like it was just a path that I had kind of set down and just each step of the way from trying to get good grades in school when I was younger to trying to get into a good college to trying to get a good job and then try and get the best MBA I could get and then get a good job coming out of that. Um, I just kind of kept rolling down this path. Um, I guess it was ultimately, you know, well-intentioned for my parents of just saying, you know, these are, these, this is what a good life looks like. You know, you do well in school, you get a good job, you make good money, you have a stable life. And I just never really questioned it and said, okay, that's what I'll do then. Right. So it wasn't even an overpressure of the parents. It was just, you just kind of pressured yourself into that path. And yeah. And, and it's funny at the time, I wouldn't even say it felt so much like pressure. It felt very natural. Like this is just what you do. And so less than pressure, I would say it was more just a lack of, um, like awareness and clarity and just not enough stepping back and thinking about what I was doing and just moving forward. It felt comfortable. It felt natural. But. Yeah. <laughs> you were, you were, I mean, that's, it's very hard for people to get to where you got without uh, really, really wanting it usually. Yeah. So, but it sounds it's like true. you just kind of fell into it. Yeah. And I would say I, I, I often call myself a recovering people pleaser. And I think that's a big part of it. Um, and I guess that maybe, maybe there is some pressure in that, but it felt like um, for much of my life, I, I wanted to be the, the person, the guy who did the right thing. Um, I wanted to be a good person. I wanted to kind of go down the path you're supposed to go down. And it, I guess, I guess you could call that pressure a little bit, but there was this sense of, you know, I guess, quote unquote, winning at life, like, and, and not in the winning of like, I want to beat everybody else, but I want to optimize and have the, the quote unquote, best life I can have. And to me, that was, again, you know, you go get your MBA from Harvard and you get a job in corporate strategy and you start to move up that ladder. Um, it was just kind of a very simple minded view of what success looked like. So, yeah, it definitely took hard work and it, and it was it was a grueling path to an extent, as you'd imagine. Um, but it was, as I said, it was just a very simple, natural flowing path for me at the time. Right. So when you say people pleaser, did you you did you relish in like the compliments? Did you relish in the. Uh, you know, people saying, wow, you're doing so well. And yeah, um, yeah I mean, these are all natural things to feel. This is, you know. This yeah, is, yeah. You know. It's, it's funny. I, I say this often. I, I, I realized later in life, I love recognition. I love people acknowledging and saying that I've done good things, but I don't like, like literally in the moment being the center of attention. So there's this weird thing where I want people to know I'm doing well. I want them to think well of me, but I'm not necessarily looking to be the center of attention. So it was this kind of 
I wouldn't call it false humility, but it was, it was this um, idea of, yeah, ultimately I, I like the idea that my family could tell, you know, my grandmother or my mother could tell people that their, you know, their son or their grandson went to Harvard business school. I liked the idea of that. I didn't want to be the one bragging about it. I didn't want right. to be the one fishing for compliments, but I guess to that people pleaser point, it gets to, there were certain people in my life that I wanted them to be able to um, enjoy that and get pleasure out of the success I was having and the things I was able to achieve. Yeah, I completely, I completely get that. I would always, I was always quite insecure because I would hear my parents bragging about my older brother and mm-hmm. what he was doing and what he was accomplishing. And, uh, you know, I could just hear how proud they were of him. So I would, I would go in another direction to like grab the attention. You know, it wasn't always, you know, it was, a lot of ways it was more of an embarrassment to my parents <laughs> things I was doing but uh I completely I completely get that like I think yeah. we all we all yearn for that in a way yeah yeah I think so I think so I mean I think we all want to be happy right we all want to have pleasure in life and and for me it's 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 about having clarity on what actually is going to bring us the most like net pleasure in life and and again back back to that at that time it was very simple it was if my mom is happy and she thinks and she's proud of me and she's saying nice things and if i have like the accolades that look nice and if i have a good job and i'm making pretty good money um that seems like that's optimizing for pleasure and and in some ways it is right to your point it does feel good it's not like it's illogical it's not like it's irrational right um and for many people it might be the right path i just think for me i i just realized that there wasn't enough like introspection and and self-reflection of understanding what did I really value? Like, what did I really care about? Right. Oh, it it completely makes sense. I think a lot of people go through it at different parts of their life. I think I started going through it a few years ago. So it's, uh, yeah, I I think uh, it's healthy when you start to, you start to realize like what it is that makes you happy, essentially what it is you, you really want, which it's, it's, it's hard to like open up to that. It's, it's hard to see that in yourself. And it is. And it's weird. It's, it's cause it's, you're trying to be yourself, but it feels, it feels unnatural being natural, which is weird. Like it feels more natural being unnatural sometimes because it's, because it's uncomfortable. And again, for me, just never having really done it. Um, it feels like you're opening doors that maybe you don't want to open. And then those same things, right. Where your mom felt good because you went to Harvard or now you're like, well, maybe I want to do something different now. And does that feel as good? Like, is she as happy about that? And you start to walk into those situations and those can uh-huh. get tricky. Is she? Uh, it's a, it's a journey to be honest. I I think, I mean, I think she's happy that I'm happy. Um, and that I'm finding a good path, but you know, what she ingrained in me, she ingrained in me for a reason, you know, her and my dad both, um, their, their view on life is that stability and security is kind of most important. So I think they worry, I think more than anything, they just worry. And it's not when their mind assesses a situation, they see it very differently. They see it as you, you take the stable path, you take the secure path. You would never give up a job, you know, a, a nice corporate strategy job where you're making good money. That's, that's insane to give that up. So I think she's happy. I'm happy, but I think somewhere deep down, she thinks I'm probably still doing it wrong and that there's risk there that I shouldn't be taking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you, do, do you really think that's the way she feels or are you projecting that onto it? <laughs> no, it's a good question. It's a good question. I mean, it's easy for me to assume like, Oh, she doesn't get it. And you know, she, she's missing the boat. And again, maybe she's right, you know, maybe in what she thinks, but I guess that that gets to the crux of not to jump ahead to the philosophy piece. Like I spend so much of my life, like I I don't believe in certainty at all. I don't think certainty is a real thing that we ever know anything for certain. Mm -hmm. So when you ask that question, it's like, yeah, it's it's a fair question. And, you know, I try and connect the dots as best I can based on the conversations we have. And and I think 
you know, just given some of the friction at times, she does, she does worry and she does have concerns, but you're right. It would be, it would be arrogant of me to assume like, well, this is what she thinks and this is why she's missing what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. It's a fair question. It sounds like if she listens to this podcast, she might be having a conversation with her. Yeah. Well, we have these <laughs> conversations all the time anyway. That's one of the things I, so it's like to, to account for that people pleaser thing. One of the things I've tried to face head on, because one of the things I've avoided my whole life is like difficult conversations where it gets uncomfortable, where I have to confront somebody um that's not something that i typically enjoy and you know again there's good reason for that it's not fun to to be a jerk it's not fun to say things that people don't want to hear and and i think that's an important part of it like i never wanted to go to the other extreme to be like well i'm just a jerk now and i just say whatever i think and i don't care who it hurts but finding that right balance to say like no no no, but we have to have this conversation because for me this is important or this is authentic to who i am um, so I try and have more of those conversations now. So hopefully she's not surprised when she. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know I just from personal experience, it's hard sometimes when you start to have those conversations and people aren't used to you having them. Yeah. I don't know if they take them serious sometimes or if they, uh, yeah, you know, your reasoning for them. Yeah, you start to get like pigeonholed into a, a view of how people see you, and, and I see that a lot. You know, my parents, for example, friends that I have that I've known for a long time, um, it throws people off a little bit, and and you know that's the same back to the certainty point. I, I find myself questioning myself a lot in that, like, Hey, am I changing too much? Am I becoming like, am I actually being authentic to myself? So I spend a lot of time in my own head thinking about those things, but yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough. It's, I think that's part of what makes it so hard is dealing with the external part of it. It's hard enough on internally to face certain things, but then externally to have to, you know, reshift who you are with people and get them on board with that can be tricky. Right. Right. So for people out there who are, uh, knowing that they have another path what was what was the first thing you did to to start yourself on a new path did you just yeah. quit your job and go for it or was there a, a slower it was slow yeah. it was slow i'm not that brave so so for me it started um so i've said it a few times right like i, I wasn't reflective enough i didn't question myself enough so I tend to be very first principles oriented. So when I started to realize like, hey, I may not be approaching life the right way. I may have some blind spots here. Where I went to right away was like, I need to understand better how I think. And like, I need to, if I'm going to figure out who I really am and you know what, what's really going on in my mind, I need to understand how it works. So I kind of took a weird path where I started studying and reading a bunch about cognitive psychology and behavioral science and neuroscience and sociology, because I wanted to understand, you know, what are the potential flaws in my mind? How can I get as close to like an objective truth as possible? So I started studying all of that so I could better have more clarity on myself. So I spent a few years really just studying that and philosophy as a part of it. Um, and that helped me to get more clarity on who I was. Right. And then I did uh, probably the big thing that really set me down the path though was um, I started making a, like a video journal for myself every day for a year. Literally, I, I made sure for 365 straight days, I did it. Um, and it was just whatever topic was on my mind. If it was some interaction I had with a family member, if it was something I saw in the news and I had a reaction to, it might've just been a philosophical question. But every day I did it, like five, 10 minute video. And I can't tell you how much of an impact that made because forcing myself to do that, it was like having a conversation with myself every day mm -hmm. for a year. Um, the things like I learned and started to realize about myself and my blind spots and the way that I thought it gave me that clarity that I had wanted for so long. And that allowed me to figure out like, okay, what do I really want in life? What really matters to me? And then it got to that point where I could say, okay, now I could leave my job. I can do all those things. Cause I have that clarity. Right. Did you do these videos to share with others or did you just rewatch them yourself? Or was it just originally uh... it was just for myself. Um, I did post them on YouTube now. So I do have a YouTube channel on there. It's not, I don't promote it too much or anything like that, but I did put them out there. Cause I figured one, honestly, I put them out there for my son more than anything. I thought it would be cool to 
have them there, you know, God forbid anything ever happens to me, or if, you know, one day you can look back on it. Um, so yeah, so they are out there. I put them out there. It ended up being more to the, to your point before, you know, like my mom would watch them, my brother, some other people, and it helped them understand a little bit more the journey I was going down to, but mostly it was just for myself. Yeah. Was it, it, can you go back and watch them from the beginning and see the evolution? Is it obvious? Is it? Yeah, I, I think so. And the big evolution was when I first did it, um, I was angrier and I was uh, like more certain and more arrogant. Like I would do a lot of things where I would see something on social media or something in the news and I would complain a little bit about why I didn't like it. And I would give my view of why it's wrong and how people should think differently. Um, so for like the first month of doing it, like it shocks me to look at it. No, it doesn't shock me because I know that's who I was, but to look back on it now, it's so different. Um, yeah, just a totally different approach and view to it. Oh yeah. Cause talking to you now, I can't, I don't feel like an arrogance. You're, yeah. you're definitely very yeah. intelligent, <laughs> but I don't feel like talking down to me or any type of like, I know it better than anyone. Like you seem to have a very open mind. Yeah. That's my big thing. That's so I, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, if you ever heard of Richard Feynman. You know him at all by chance? No, no. So he's a, he was a, I believe he was an astrophysicist. He won like a Nobel prize, I think in the seventies or eighties. So really, really brilliant guy, like unbelievably brilliant. I think he worked on the Manhattan project in world war II and like developing the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, brilliant guy. But uh, he's kind of the person that I look up to because as brilliant as he is, and perhaps one of the smartest people that ever lived, like the humility he had and like the intellectual curiosity. And when you hear him speak, um, he never claims to know anything. Like he's very upfront about that. You know, there's a lot of theories he has, a lot of hypotheses. And for me, that's what I've always kind of strived for. If, if the smartest people in the world, and I, and I think this is true, often the smartest people in the world are the first ones to admit how little they actually know. And they're the first ones to question themselves and say like, I'm not certain about this. Maybe it's different. Let me hear what you think. And to me, that's just such a better way to live because you learn so much more. Um, you're less stressed and pressured about trying to like hold tight these beliefs and these things that you need to you know, protect. And a lot of it ultimately comes down to insecurity, right? For me, the people pleasing, all of that was, I wanted people like you to think I was smart and think I was competent. So you overcompensate for that. You feel like I have to project that and I have to make sure he, you know, he sees that. But as you'd expect, the more confident you actually become, the more you learn, the more you're comfortable saying, yeah, I'm actually, I don't know, maybe you know better than me. I have no idea. Yeah, you know, it's it's so true. I, I can't name names because I'll get in trouble, but I definitely have people in my life that they are the know-it-alls and they are, and you also are aware that they're probably the most insecure people you know. And you you wonder if they know that about themselves. Like I, It's a great question. I, I wonder that a ton. Um, it's It's... I think it's probably a mix, obviously, right? I think there's some people that, that probably have a sense of it. Um, and even for those people, like to, to the point before about the videos, when I first started making them, that's one of the big changes I've seen for myself. Like, that's something I used to still judge and be like, well, what did you like? Why is that guy such a know-it-all? Like, it, it pisses me off or it bothers me or it's not right. Because I, I had this kind of cosmic sense of justice where if somebody's a know-it-all, like they should be put in their place and they shouldn't, you know, act that way. They shouldn't be arrogant. But you start to realize for whatever the reason is, maybe they don't know it, maybe they're not aware of it, maybe they are aware of it, but they had some childhood issues or there's some deep insecurity, like they're probably suffering in their own way. There's probably, they know, like they're not comfortable having to always project this know-it-all attitude. There's something about that that probably doesn't make them happy. So there's more of an empathy there now than there is like a judgment, which is tough, right? Because- Very, very, because I don't know if I have that empathy. (laughs) So hard. I think I'm more of an annoyance. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm still there too, right? And, And that's the big thing for me, like, it's gotta be genuine. When I kind of started reading up on all these things and cognitive psychology and philosophy, you read things that are cliche. Like we all hear the same things. People have been saying the same things for thousands of years of how we should be better and think better and not judge people as much. 
And I've read all those same things. It wasn't until I was able to, to some degree, I'm not, nowhere near complete yet, make that be real for me and genuine. Like it's one thing just to say it, but it's kind of BS. It's another thing to actually feel like, okay, no, I actually understand that person and I empathize with them. And if it's not genuine, then like it's not worth even entertaining and, and saying, right? So I try and I try and always live to that and stick to that as best I can. Got you. I mean, some are just so annoying. It's hard to. <laughs> it's, true. it's true. It's true. But it gets back to the point, like, because there's also, so the other big thing in my life is logic. Like, so authenticity and all that and humility is important. Probably the other big trait is, is logic. And when I say logic, people often think that it's like a cold, like robotic mechanical logic. But when I, I think of that more as like a mathematical logic. So take the point of like somebody who's a know-it-all who's really annoying. Um, and again, all this is cliche. There's nothing novel here. But I think of the math of that, the figurative math and say, well, if I get annoyed at that person, what's the benefit to me of that? Is it actually helping me? Is it doing anything for me? And literally following those logical threads, because I just think our minds are so flawed, frankly, even the smartest of us, the most you know, reflective of us, we're just, our minds are designed in such a way that they're so easy for us to break bad. There's so many flaws there. Um, so I try and follow like that mathematical logic as best I can to get to the best possible outcome. And in that case, I would be like, yeah, that guy is annoying me a ton. <laughs> but if I get too worked up about it, if I allow that to piss me off too much, it's not going to benefit me. So kind of follow that math and allow myself to overcome it. It's not easy. It's not magic. I still get pissed all the time, but it helps a little bit. Got you. What, what kind of advice can you give to other people? I, I mean, you did a lot of research and a lot of reading and a lot of digging that I think 99% of us out here are probably not going to put ourselves through. So are there, are there anything in particular uh, shortcuts <laughs> that you could recommend or that were really, really helpful other than the, the video? I think the video, yeah. the video journals you did were, were, were great. Yeah. The video journal was big. I think, I mean, shortcuts are tough for this because mm -hmm. as you, as we're talking about, right, it's just such a hard thing, but if there were, if there were two things I, I would call out, one is humility. Like we said before, I think that the phrase I always say is like, just entertain the possibility that you might not be seeing it the way you think you are. Right. And it's, 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 I say that intentionally because it's a very light phrase. It's very hard for us to do that, but having the humility to really question our own views and beliefs and entertain the idea that maybe we have a bias or a blind spot, or there might be something there to me, practicing that humility is, is the most important thing and trying to get to a place where you're comfortable being wrong. You're comfortable not knowing the answer to stuff. So for me, that, that's a big one. And, and the way I've tried to do that is to put myself in situations. So after I did the videos every day for a year, I switched to taking an action every day for a year. So some action that put me like outside of my comfort zone or faced me to force me to face something I normally wouldn't want to do, or just move me more towards the person I wanted to be. So I think that's an important step too. Like, it's just like working out, like you have to get the reps. So if, if humility is something you struggle with, if the courage to overcome some fear is something you struggle with, put yourself in little situations that'll allow you to do that. And it starts to convince yourself like, oh, I can do that. It starts to change, you know, the way your mind sees it a little bit. Uh, good advice. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm going through a lot of the changes that you went, you've, you've been through. I feel like I'm a little, a little behind you, but yeah. it's uh what a, what a growing experience. Like it yeah. feels so good to realize things about yourself or just to accept things about yourself. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm in competition with people like I used to. I, I don't feel like I have to be somebody that I'm not. Um, yeah. It feels very, good, right? Very freeing. Feels nice. Yeah. Very freeing. So very liberating. Freeing. Yeah. That's the other big thing, right? <laughs> Again, just speaking for myself, when I would hear people talk about this stuff in the past, it would seem like, ah, like what, it seems like you're saying that just because you think you're supposed to, or it's, it's just, you know, it's kind of in vogue right now. And people say that's what you're supposed to do. 
But again, I follow the logic. It's just, I'm happier. Like my life just has more net pleasure in it now that I've been taking these steps. So I keep doing it. It's not like I'm forcing it. If it didn't work, like there's things I've done. There was a time, maybe like two years ago, I started doing mindfulness because people said you should do mindfulness and that's good. And I did it for like three weeks and I was like, this sucks. I don't like it. I'm not getting any benefit out of it. So I stopped. I just didn't make sense to me at that point. And then I learned more about it. And I just started picking it up again, maybe two or three months ago. And it, I understood it a little bit better. I read about it a little bit more. And now it genuinely, I understood what it was supposed to do. And I see benefits from it. So I keep doing it. But I think that's important too. Like back to that authenticity and, and it being real point. I think if you're forcing it, it's probably never going to work. Like either you need to understand it better, research it more, or figure something out. But we all know this, right? Same thing with like a diet or trying to work out. If you're, if you hate it and you're just forcing yourself to do it, you're not really changing your lifestyle. It's probably not going to net you that benefit that you want. So you have to figure out a way to make it real for you. You know? Right. Right. No, it's, it's completely true. You can't, you can't force it. Um, so I know you talked about, you used to be a people pleaser, mm-hmm. but now you've, you've described yourself as a people pleaser in a lot of ways. Cause you say that you like to give people bigger tips. You like to give mm-hmm. them more compliments. You like to show more gratitude. Like that's being a people pleaser. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it, I think it, you're right. Firstly, you're right. Um, I think I don't think people pleasing in itself is a bad thing, right? It depends on what the source of it is, what's what's behind it and what's driving it. And in a weird way, I actually think for me, people pleasing counterintuitively, the source of it was like an arrogance. The source of it was I'm I, I need to help other people because they can't help themselves. Or if I'm in a conversation and I say something, you know, I want to avoid saying something that upsets them. It's because I think they can't handle it. And, and I need to be the one to protect them in some way. So I think originally the source of my people pleasing wasn't a, a good source, right? It was coming from the wrong place. I think now when I do some of those things, like try and tip people more, be more grateful, give compliments and all that, it gets back to that genuine point. I'm not doing it for effect. I'm not doing it because I think they need it or, you know, some sort of show. I'm not doing it just because I want them to like me because I think that's important. I'm doing it because it feels like the real right thing to do. So I'm not opposed to pleasing people and making other people happy. It's just, you know, it's what's the math behind it. Does the math check out in such a way where it nets positive? And I think now I'm more likely to be netting positive where I was in the past. What situations does that has that put you in? What what I, I know it's 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 put you in some humorous or yeah. So probably the funniest one was um so early on I said, you know, I I want to be um I, I want to give more. I, I think I, you know, I've done well for myself. I, I have the money I want to give more. So I was like, it doesn't need to be big in little ways. So I would order a pizza or something. I want to give a bigger tip. And I remember the first time I did it, I said, all right, I'm going to give the pizza guy a $50 tip just because, you know, it'd be nice. And it'd be, in my mind, it was going to be beautiful. I was just going to do it. I was going to feel good, have a great night. The kid was going to go and, you know, have a nice time with his girlfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was all going to be great. Um, but I didn't think it through, right? I didn't think it through fully. So I should have just put it on the credit card and just had it and left it at that and not had an issue. But I didn't think that far ahead. So I decided to give him the $50. So as he pulled up and I saw him walking up, I started to realize like, well, how am I going to do this? Because this is a little weird. Like to just give him a big tip, it's going to come off weird. I don't want to think I'm like showboating or anything. Mm-hmm. So I ended up kind of just quickly stuffing it in his hand and like slamming the door shut and walking away. Cause I also didn't want him to think I was like propositioning him or anything like that. <laughs> um, so I closed the door. Now I'm feeling a little uncomfortable and to the point, like I'm judging myself, like oh, even that I screwed up. I didn't do it right. And of course he comes back to the door and rings the bell and says, Hey, you gave me a $50 tip. Like, I don't know if you meant this. And I was like, Oh, I did. I was trying to do something to be grateful. So I walked away from it feeling like, see, this is, this is why it's so hard. Like even when people want to do well, there's so many instances for our mind to feel like judge ourselves and be like, Oh, now I look stupid here. Or this person's going to think I'm weird or think I'm doing something weird. I didn't even do that. Right. 
So I can't tell you how many instances like that have come up, even in restaurants when I've done it. But it gets back to the point of just like that security of being like, well, I know why I'm doing this. I know it's for the right reason and just having the confidence in doing it. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, man, even being nice and giving compliments, all that stuff, it's, it's harder than I would have. I guess it's not harder than I would have imagined. That's why I didn't do it because I didn't want to be in an uncomfortable situation. So I was like, I'll avoid it. So it lived up to what I thought it was in some ways. Right. No, it can, it can be uncomfortable being thanked and getting that yeah. attention afterwards sometimes. Or yeah. then you start worrying. Do they think I'm just doing it because I, I, I want the attention? Or are they doing it? And then like am i actually doing it for the like what is the reason i'm doing this right which is that bad like is that a is that a horrible thing that you're doing it because you it makes you feel good i mean it makes you feel good so it could be part of that maybe i think so i mean it's, it's kind of a philosophical question but i probably tend to agree that everything we do, we do because it benefits us in some way, right? Mm -hmm. It might be long-term benefit. It might be kind of convoluted. So I think there's a truth to that. And you just kind of embrace that and say, yeah, but that gets back to it, right? It's that clarity about yourself and what you value. Like I valued, it makes me feel good to help other people. I like doing that. That's why I was a people pleaser. Again, I had the math was a little messy for me back in the day, but that's something that feels good for me. So I'm going to do it. As long as you have that clarity and like why you're doing it, it's something you value. Yeah, I think it should be. So I mentioned, so I mentioned in the intro that you're, you're helping children think better amongst many other things. Um, (laughs) What is, what is that? What does that exactly entail? What are you, what are you doing? Yeah, it gets to a lot of what we talked about already. So what I started to realize was um, for myself, for sure. And then my son and just kind of witnessing kids in general that that, that lack of clarity um, at a young age can be really detrimental because, again, you start to harden and form these views about yourself and about the world and how you think without ever really knowing where it came from. So I started to think about more and say, you know, I think teaching kids kind of a modern form of philosophy where they're, they're thinking about thinking, they're understanding why in certain scenarios they're thinking the things they're thinking, you know, how they got there, what their beliefs are and questioning that more. I just think it's super valuable for them to better understand themselves and find more kind of happiness and pleasure in life to try and be better people. And for the world, really, in general, I think for whatever it is, right, if it's your professional career, if it's school, if it's your relationships, I think everything is better off if you have that foundation of understanding who you really are, how your mind really works, um, and kind of where the, the, the blind spots are and where it breaks bad. And for a while, I thought like, well, you can't teach that to kids though, right? It's too complex. It's going to be over their head. So what I've tried to do is kind of make it very relevant to kids, right? If it's it's a TV show they watch, I'll give you an example, a stupid one, but um, I did with my son once. So he was, he was hungry. He was starving, right? He wanted to eat lunch. So he, he asked me to heat up a pizza in the microwave or in the toaster oven. So I put it in there and it was supposed to heat for like five minutes, but I forgot to put the timer on. So it was just running. So uh, he was hungry. So he said, uh, it's done. I, I know it's done. It's definitely done. The pizza's ready. You know, and it was clear he was just saying that because he was hungry and he wanted it to be done. So I said, all right, I, I see where you, why you think it's done, but we don't know for sure. Right. He's like, well, I'm pretty sure it's almost definitely done. So I said, all right. I said, listen, I'll take you to the store right now and buy you, you know, a toy or whatever it is that you want. If you can convince me why the pizza's not done yet, like what would, what would, what would tell you that maybe it's not done yet? So more or less, I wanted him to do the opposite. His mind was telling him the pizza's done because he wanted to eat. He was hungry. Mm-hmm. So it, it built a case to say, you know, look, the pizza's done. It's, it's been in there for a while. I remember we watched the show. So like the time must have passed. But I said, if you're forced to, if you were forced to make the opposite case, could you do it? Could you give me reasons why the pizza might not be done? So he started looking at it. And at first he didn't really know what to say. And then he said, well, the cheese isn't completely melted, you know, and um, I see the crust, you know, it hasn't really gotten brown yet. And that like little things like that, where they exercise and get those reps of saying, my mind's telling me something and I have a clear motivation and reason to believe this thing. 
But if I was forced to entertain the opposite, if I was forced to make the case in the opposite direction, could I do it? And can I kind of logically piece together, even if I don't believe it? So it's little things like that, that I think really build that ability to understand how our minds work better. Right. And understand other people's views, maybe, and, yeah. and other perspectives. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, and I think, as I said before, it's, it's weird with kids, because in the one hand, they're so open to that. Like, you know, if, if they're wrong about something in so many ways, they're like, oh, I'm wrong, or that person sees it differently. Like, that's cool, because they're not jaded by the world yet. But I just see more and more how quickly that starts to convert. You know, you get to seven, eight, nine, 10 years old, and it feels like that's the period at which between, you know, your friends and your family and TV and social media, you start to close, it starts to close off. So my goal is to try and get in there in that period where they're still open and, and give them the tools. Cause that's all I want to do. Right. I'm not trying to teach any specific agenda or way of thinking or beliefs or anything like that. I just want them to have the tools to be confident that whatever it is, they believe they've been thoughtful about it. They've kind of pressure tested it. They've questioned it from different perspectives and they're comfortable saying, yeah, this is, this is what I think. It sounds very, very cool. Very. I, I, I love the idea behind it. So yeah. is this, is this a program people can, can sign up for yeah it's just so it's in kind of a pilot form now so it's not widely open yet so in, in the area that i live i'm kind of running it just with you know some people that i know in the local area and kind of getting it up and running and testing it out but my hope is within the next six months or so to have it fully up and running i'm deliberately doing it in person though because um you know maybe it'll switch at some point to doing it online but i, I just think there's so much value in being in a room talking to people because there's also that ability of like building the confidence to speak and to share your views in a room with 10 other people and 10 other kids and be questioned and have to respond to it and ask questions. So it's a little bit limited. So, which a lot of people have said to me from like a business model perspective, I'm probably not running. Like my Harvard MBA classmates would be like, what are you doing here? This isn't the right way to run a business and make money. But honestly, it's, it's not about that for me anymore. Like, so what we've been talking about, I've realized just like, I'd be way happier if I made a third of the money, but I was able to do this every day and kind of focus my energy, my time on this, like that's, that's good enough for me. Giving kids permission to say, like, figure out what you actually enjoy, get that clarity on yourself and, you know, what excites you and, and pursue that. Mm -hmm. Not in every way, because obviously you have to teach kids rules and they have to, you know, the certain things we have to conform to, but giving them more of that ability to think that that's okay, that like they can figure out something and follow something that they're interested in and be passionate about, like interjecting more of that in their lives, I think is important. Well, thank you. Is there any way people can find you or is there any... Yeah, for sure. So um, the, probably the main source is on Instagram. So it's uh, the Instagram handle is a drogo underscore philosophy. So A-D-R-O-G-O underscore philosophy. So that's kind of the main source. And then uh, the YouTube channel, if you wanted to check out any of those videos, again, pretty, pretty low key, but it's just under my name. So Terrence McMullen on, uh, on YouTube, you could, you could see some of those videos and see the, uh, the progression over time. Okay. All right. Sounds, sounds good. Well, I just want to Put it out there, this has been a Dweebs Global production. Again, Dweebs Global is a nonprofit organization. Uh, they give free mentorship help uh, for people around the world. Literally every country we have mentors ready to help. From anything from resume writing to mental health, completely confidential and completely free. So that is dweebsglobal.org. And thank you, this has been uh, episode one of season three. So uh, our new background. <laughs>